Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, chapters 11 through 16. The first point I want us to discuss is the humanness of the monster. We have a tendency to think about him as a human and hold him accountable to human morals and ethics. But even though we get a description of what makes up this monster earlier in the text, we tend to hold him accountable. And we, we say, like, is he evil? Is he good? Is he confused? Does he understand right and wrong? Are we misguided or misdirected by the level of his intellect or the way he presents himself? But ultimately, we have to remember and consider the fact that he is not a human. So while we are quick to sort of consider him a human because of his emotional makeup and disposition and the way he presents himself emotionally, we still have to remember that he is different. And while being different isn't wrong, he's still not a human. He has human characteristics and human qualities, but from a physical standpoint, he's far superior. And his emotional upbringing, while incredibly stunted because of his sense of loneliness and abandonment, we have to still consider the fact that it's similar, but there is difference there. So as we consider the monster, and as we think about the concept of nurture versus nature, what we're going to talk a lot about in this text, is that because he's abandoned right away and left to his own devices from the moment he is brought into this world, the nurture aspect is self-inflicted. So he is doing self-nurturing. He is the one who teaches himself. He understands he needs clothes. He understands he needs shelter. He figures all this out through suffering. So at the heart of the monster is this concept of suffering. And at all times, he's trying to overcome something. And when he finally watches the family, and we, we got in this in class with the old blind man, his son Felix, his daughter Agatha, and as he engages with them from a distance, never crossing the line to meet them at first, he builds his entire scope of what it means to be a husband, in the case of we, while we're not seeing that romantic aspect until later when Felix's quasi-girlfriend, Safi, arrives. We have to think about this concept that he's learning about love, he's learning about companionship, he's learning about family. And he sees that he doesn't have that. And that is what really drives him in all his decisions and actions because he is completely in isolation. And while we might think it might be unrealistic about how he self-educates himself, the role of watching, mimicking, and experiencing things secondhand in an effort to better oneself, we do that a lot, even as humans. This is why we read fiction. One of the reasons why we read fiction. It's one of the reasons why we might watch movies or TV to experience something that we ourselves might not go through, but it does give us a little bit of an ex experience to reflect upon, to learn from, good, bad, or ugly. It's not by accident that the monster is very much influenced by Paradise Lost, comparing himself to Adam 
and then really comparing himself to Satan. And while we might be quick to be like, well, Satan's evil, the concept of waging war against your creator is something that's very attractive because of the anger that the monster feels towards Victor Frankenstein. I think in a lot of ways, the monster comes off extremely empathetic in this section because at no point in time has he been accepted by anyone. Every time he interacts with people, they run him out of town. He saves a girl from drowning. He gets shot in the shoulder. He finally tries to make contact, one-on-one contact, at first with the blind old man. And it works to some extent. His knowledge of the family was a little bit unnerving to the old man. But you have to remember, this is the first interaction that the monster had had with anyone else. So as we consider and look at this, when that goes south and when Felix beats him and he runs away, and then when he runs through the wilderness that night sort of out of anger and decides, you know what, this isn't all lost. I can kind of build myself back up. I can learn from my mistakes. By the time he arrives back to his home the next morning, they have moved out. And he's filled with rage. And we get that idea that he wants to hurt them. So we're seeing this concept that the monster, while a lot of people criticize the monster for really not ever seeing the nuance, and things are either good or bad or right or wrong, there's this element here where he understands the fact that he can bring tremendous damage and pain to people. And it's with this loss that he feels, ultimately with Felix and that family leaving. And we do get that huge background and backstory on the family to present them as outcasts themselves. And the first chance they get to maybe bring someone else in, the monster is so far beyond their imagination that they aren't open to that idea. So there are there is a sense that everyone's trying to fit in, but sometimes they don't look outside themselves to show any empathy towards things that are different. And we get this throughout this text. So by the time he goes back, ready to seek vengeance, basically, on Victor Frankenstein, and conveniently runs into William and accidentally strangles him to death, and then purposely frames Justine for the murder, we're seeing a vindictive side of the monster that causes a lot of problems. Because our understanding of the monster has been Things are good or things are evil. And this is him making a choice to be evil shows that he's got the mental capacity to either rein himself in one way or another. Now, the argument about nurture versus nature, because he is self-taught, you do have to ask yourself in a lot of ways, where is this negative mindset coming from? And the simplest answer is because it's what society has given him. And he is just mirroring what society has done to him. But if we're going to go beyond that, if we're going to blame Victor Frankenstein, who is 100% to blame for abandoning the monster upon arrival, we then have to look at Victor Frankenstein's role in what does he owe the monster? The monster at the end of this section saying, listen, I'm going to destroy your life, basically, unless you make me a companion. And he's seeking a female companion. We have to consider the fact that empathy, love, lack of love, loneliness, 
are playing a huge role here. Revenge is there, but we got to go deeper than that. I don't think we're supposed to just think that the monster is raving mad and that Victor Frankenstein has created something that does not understand the human condition. I think it's the opposite. While the monster looks completely unlike anything anyone has ever seen and is horrifying to people who don't understand him, he's very much potentially even more human than the characters in the book. His ability to feel, his ability to understand the need for companionship and family and understand the concept that we are meant to be in a community, not in isolation. And that he himself is seeking a companion who's like him. And this is one of the unfortunate aspects of the book when we consider the fact that he feels like the only way he can fit into a society is if the society is people who are like him, monsters like him. Because society is not going to accept him for what he is. He needs other monsters to be made, to be created, to have his own tribe, his own group. So we're going to look into this concept of tribalism here over the next couple of classes, because I do think it's one of the ideas we have to consider. Why are people so drawn to the idea of like-minded individuals, even though people say they're open-minded to differences? What are the characteristics people are drawn to? Is it completely superficial and physical? Is it always on the outside? Is there something internal as well to consider? So as we analyze this and we break down human nature to group ourselves together, I want us to think about what are those characteristics that people seek. I think we're going to obviously start with the simple ones, whether it's fans of teams or schools or different interests. But if we go beyond that and we go more into a survival part of living in a community, what are those things that we're drawn to? And it doesn't have to be a like-minded physical aesthetic that we're ultimately considering to be the great equalizer for all of us? Because I don't think most of us would want to say that. So if the monster truly needs something to look like him to feel part of something, is that an accurate depiction of what he is seeking? Or is that the misinterpretation of what society has so far shown him? And I want us to think about that last point. Because the monster truly is looking to connect with someone on a, an emotional level. He wants someone, that's why he thought the blind man was such a perfect example of a person to he could connect with because he needs them to look past how he physically looks. But since he can't get past his physical appearance, his only thought process at the moment is he needs someone to look like him so that he can start this process. But the reality is when we think about tribes, when we think about groups, think about what people are drawn to, I think ultimately it's got to be what is inside that's going to outweigh what we find on the outside. But a lot of us don't get past that exterior. And we're going to discuss this in class over the next couple of days. Mm-hmm.